We are in the middle or beginning phases really of calling men to serve as shepherds here with our church family. And so this morning we're beginning um, a really important step in that process. And so as we begin that step, I'm going to invite Doug Parsons to come up and share a little bit about this process and what's next and what we need from you. So, Doug. Good morning, Shiloh. For the last week, we've asked you as a group, as a family, that you be in prayer and fasting so that we can better hear God's word and God's um, desire for our church. This next phase, starting today and running until the 16th of April, is the nomination phase wherein we will ask that each baptized member begin nominating men that they believe are qualified to shepherd this church. The elder recommendation forms will be available out in the uh, foyer area out there. They all look very simply like this. Um, There's a place there for you to nominate one of the men in this congregation that you feel, and a place to briefly state uh, the rationale as to why you believe that they should serve, uh, along with a place for you to print your name and date it. The Elder Recommendation Forms will be due no later than 7 p.m. on Sunday, April the 16th. Uh, During regular assembly, we'll have a box out there with one of the members of our committee standing by for you to deposit these nomination forms. Uh, In evening assembly, that box will be over near where we have the evening worship. And at all other times, that box can be found in the uh, church office. Um, After we get those things, we as a committee will then look at these nomination forms to look for a natural break in the number of uh, candidates that have been nominated. Uh, What we mean by this is that if you, for some reason, have heard that somebody is being nominated and you agree with that nomination, you too should also nominate that person. We are looking for a numerical value of nominations uh, for elder candidates. Uh, You are not limited on the number of people you may nominate, uh, but we do ask that you nominate one person once at a time. Um, Let's see. I don't think I've got anything else with that. Um, That's all I have to say, I think. Thanks. Thank you, Doug. And um, again, we want to ask that you continue to be in prayer about this process As we walk through as a church together, a really important time. Um, As as Burke said, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And again, we want to encourage you to invite someone. There is not an easier Sunday of the year to invite someone to church. Because most people, whether they go to church any other day of the year, most people, especially in this part of the world, go to church on Easter Sunday. And so we would love for you to invite someone to join us. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to give you a couple of these cards as well because we want to give you something to invite people back to. Um, We don't want them just to simply come on Easter, but we also want to invite them back to join us again. And we're going to begin a new series the following week called Revealed. Um, And this series comes from the book of John where Jesus says, this was the first, I'm sorry, John says about Jesus, this was the first sign that was done by Jesus that revealed his glory. And there are seven signs that happen through 
the book of John. And so we're going to spend um, the next seven weeks walking through those seven signs in the book of John. And we want to give you uh, an opportunity to invite someone back with you um, following Easter. And so um, that's coming up. In, in the last several weeks, and if you haven't been here for this entire series, I want to encourage you to go to our website, www.shilohroad.com, or if you're under 40, shilohroad.com. Um. <laughs> and um, you can find the video and audio there. You can also go to our um, Shiloh Road Connect app and um, find video and audio there and on iTunes as well. And so the last three weeks of this series are there, and we would love to invite you to go because this has been a really important journey for our church and a really important series. The first week, um, we talked about leadership. Leadership is simply influence. And what we looked at was Moses in the wilderness, and the very first thing Moses had to do was he had to learn to lead himself in the wilderness before God ever called him to lead Israel through the wilderness. And so that leadership journey is really important. And what we found is you can find yourself in the middle, as Moses found himself in the middle of the desert. And what we learn in the middle is this may take a while. We might be here a while. And in week two, we talked about a problem. And the problem is the I, I feel very inadequate now as a teacher. Um, the problem is what? The pattern. The problem is the pattern. The problem is the pattern. And we're going to talk a little bit more about p- patterns um, this morning. And, and Moses' call was to lead the people, not to deliver them. And then in the last week, um, David did such a good job. Um, and he talked about what a shepherd's role is, but more specifically, what our role as a church is in supporting the shepherd and how we as a church body help to keep the shepherd's hands uplifted so God can continue to work through his people. And so this morning, um, week four, we're going to start. I'm going to ask you if you would stand as we read from the Word. And this will not be on the screen, so you just get to listen to God's Word this morning. This is chapter 32 of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterwards they sat down to eat and drink 
and got up to indulge in revelry. Skipping down to verse 19, when Moses approached the camp and saw that the calf was saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made, burned it in the fire, and then ground it into powder and scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told him, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then he gave me the gold. They gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and it came out this calf. Moses saw that the people were running wild, and Aaron had led them, let them get out of control, and so they became a laughingstock to their enemies. He stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Father, today, I pray as we open your word, you will bless us as we hear you speak. Father, that your word will be powerful in this place. And, Father, that you will send out your people with your glory in their mind, Father, to be your church, to be your your church, your people, your kingdom in this world. Father, bless us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So, Real quickly, a little bit of the backstory of how we get to Sinai, because I think most of the time I talk to people and they think, well, Moses goes up onto the mountain and he speaks, um, God speaks to him and he gets this, but there's kind of this back and forth that happens. In, in chapter 19, God is getting ready, um, getting Moses ready to go up on the mountain, getting Moses ready to hear from God, and he lets the Israelites hear him speak to Moses so that they know this is God's chosen um, man. And then he goes up and he gets the Ten Commandments and he gets a little bit of the law and he comes down and he speaks to the people. And then Moses goes back up and he comes back down and he speaks to the people and he goes up again. And this is chapter 24 of Exodus. I want to just kind of um, let you know what's happening. He's given them the covenant, the Ten Commandments, the law, And he speaks to them. Moses goes to the people and he says, Then he took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people and they responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. So he gets the law and he gives it to the people and the people respond, We're going to do everything that God has said. And not only do they say it once, they say it again and again. We will obey. And skipping down to verse 13, then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. And then skipping down to the end of this chapter, Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And he stayed on the mountain for 40 days. 
and 40 nights. And so 40 days and 40 nights, number 40 in the Hebrew language, just means it was a long time. So whether it was 40 days or 40 years or 400 years, the idea is to communicate that Moses was there for a long, long time. And so Moses goes up on the mountain, but before he does, he taps Aaron and her on the shoulder and he says, you are going to lead the people while I am away. This is your responsibility to take care of them. And so he gives this responsibility, places it on Aaron and her. He goes up on the mountain where he's there for 40 days. And then I want you to listen to how verse 1 begins. When the people saw Moses was so long When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And as you think about the story of Israel, God has taken them from slavery He's brought them out. He's delivered them through plagues and walked them through the Red Sea. He's brought water out of a rock. He's given manna and quail. He's spoken to them so that they can hear God's voice speak to Moses. He's gone before them in this pillar of a cloud and this pillar of fire. He's made it so obvious that this is what they are supposed to be doing. And then it says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, have you ever felt like you waited so long? We were supposed to go to dinner and my wife took so long long. Not mine. We were waiting for the test results, and it took so long. You see, I I hear what the people are saying, and I have to be honest, I'm a bit judgmental. I mean, you've heard the voice of God, and you've seen these incredible acts that God is doing for his people and how he has delivered them and how he parted the waters and covered the army. You've seen all of this with your own eyes. And 40 days, 40 days you forget. In 40 days you give up on what God is doing. And so I'm kind of judgmental until I start to think about myself. And I realize how easily distracted I can be. I mean, how many times I go and get on my computer and pull up my email to check a message and then find myself doing something completely different than I ever thought I was going to do. Or how many times my wife has asked me to go to the store to get one item and I walk into the store without a list of that one item because it's one item and how could you forget? 
And I walk out with five items and I get home to find out the one thing that I went for, I forgot. Anyone else been there before? Microsoft did a study in Canada. And they wanted to to look and see what the human attention span is. And so they began this study in the year 2000. And they found that the human attention span is 12 seconds. 12 seconds. And they did the study again in 2016. And can you guess what the study showed? You think it went up or down? Okay, we're talking about 12 seconds. How does it go down? But it did. It went from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. And for this study and this research, they said attention is the amount of concentrated time on a task without becoming distracted. The the amount of time someone can focus on a task without being distracted. And I, I have to admit, I have times when I can focus on something really, really well for a long period of time. But then again, I also have these moments where my wife says, hey, I need to go to the restroom at the next exit, and three exits later, it's, hey, did you forget? No, no, I was just looking for a better place. (laughs) How easily we become distracted. And eight seconds is not a lot of time. Do you know who has a better attention span than the average human? This guy. Somehow, they've determined that a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. We might have some work to do. But the CEO of Microsoft said, a true scarce commodity in the future will be human attention. See, spiritually... How often do you make these commitments that I want to focus on my prayer life and week one is great. And week two, it's almost like we forgot the commitment we made in the first place. Or how often we sit down to pray and our mind is pulled in a thousand different directions. See, here's the deal. I relate to Israel a lot more than I would like to admit. I I struggle at times to keep my focus where it is supposed to be. And so Israel realizes that Moses is gone and he's taking forever to come back down from the mountain. And it says... When they realized he had taken so long to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. See, the question, how do you tell who the leader is, is a really important question. Because we give people the title a lot. You are a leader. You are um, a shepherd. You have this position. 
But how do you tell? What's the litmus test to say, well, this person really is the leader? And I think there's a really simple question we can ask. Who are the people gathered around? Who are the people gathered around? Moses leaves Aaron and her in charge. He goes up on the mountain. They realize Moses is not here. And it says, when they realize that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. See, people will always gather. And they will most often gather around a leader. They will gather around someone who is supposed to lead them. And they will gather around that person with demands and expectations of what that leader is supposed to do. You're the leader, make us gods who will go before us. You're the leader, and Moses is gone. He was the leader, now it's you. You can make us gods. Help us out. Give us what we need. You can do this, Aaron. You are in charge. Make us gods who will go before us. So the people gathered around Aaron. And what we find is if someone does not point the people to someone to worship, they will create something to worship. If you do not point the people to someone to worship, they will always create something to worship. They will always create something to worship. Well, why? Because we are wired to worship. We are created for that. You you are made to worship something, and if we do not point people to someone to worship, they will create something to worship. And so Moses is gone, Aaron is in charge, the people gather around Aaron, and they have this list of requests, demands, expectations. Make us gods who will go before us. You see, you will worship something. It may be self, maybe money or fame, wealth, freedom, security, sex, or maybe just the need to be needed. But you will always, if you are not pointed to someone to worship, will find or create something to worship. The prophets of Baal. That they, they decided that their gods were the gods. And they went to Elijah and they challenged him on Mount Carmel. And because of this challenge, these 450 prophets, some of these leaders, it cost them their life. Because people gathered around the wrong leader. See, it's entirely possible to gather around the wrong leader, but people will always gather. 
People will always gather around the leader, but it's possible to gather around the wrong leader. In the 1920s, Germany was a predominantly Christian nation. But the people said, we want to make our nation a Christian nation once again. In this movement called the Deutsch Christian Movement, began with Christians trying to move back to God. But they gathered around a leader that we would all say took them in the wrong direction. And a man named Adolf Hitler began the Nazi movement. See, people gather around a leader. But it's entirely possible to gather around the wrong leader. So then how do you tell if it's the right leader or the wrong leader? How do you tell if this is a good shepherd or a bad shepherd? How do you tell if this is a healthy leader or an unhealthy leader? And I would say watch how they handle what they are handed. This is verse 2. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. In verse 4, he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. He took what they handed him, and he made it into an idol. He took what they handed him, and they made it into an idol in the shape of a calf. He took what they handed him, and he made it in to an idol. How do you tell who the leader is? How, how do you tell if the leader is healthy or not? I think the question is simply, how do they handle what they have been handed? How does the person handle what they have been handed. And maybe more importantly in the room this morning, how do you handle what you have been handed? How do you handle what you have been handed? How do you handle what you have been handed? You are handed a piece of information, and it's expected that you would keep it confidential. How do you handle what you have been handed? You have been given this great responsibility. 
And the question is, how will you handle what you have been handed? For a lot of you, you have been handed a child. How will you handle what you have been handed? For some of you, you walked down an aisle and someone gave you the hand of another person. How will you handle what you have been handed? Everyone has been given this enormous, glorious gift of grace. How will you handle what you have been handed? And so as we look at the landscape across our church, I think a great question to ask as we look at shepherds is how do they handle what they have been handed? What what is the pattern in this? See, there should be a, a pattern of how the person handles what they have been handed. Jesus, talking to the Pharisees, says, you nullify the word of God by your own traditions handed down to you. You have these traditions that have been handed to you, but you took them, what was handed to you, and you used them for something to nullify God's word. They bound Jesus and led him away, and they handed him over to Pilate with the demands and expectations that they gathered around the leader. And Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. How will they handle what they have been handed? How will they handle what they have been handed? Because you can handle it as a leader very poorly. You can also handle it in a very healthy way. It's the Sabbath in the synagogue. And Jesus was handed the scroll from Isaiah the prophet, and he began to read, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. Some men brought Jesus, a paralyzed man, lying on a mat, and they cleared a space in the roof And I don't think they handed him over, but they, I think, just rolled him through. I mean, he's paralyzed. What what else can you do? They handed him to Jesus, and Jesus healed him. There are all these people that need to eat, and Jesus' disciples bring him five loaves of bread and two fish. And they handed them to Jesus, and he broke the bread, and he passed it among everyone, and they had plenty to eat. See, there's a healthy way to handle what you have been handed, and there is a very unhealthy way to handle what you have been handed. And as we look across this church and we call men to serve as shepherds, I think one of the predominant questions we ask is how do they handle what they have been handed? How how do they handle? What's the pattern in this? Not do they get it right every single time. 
Not have they ever messed up. But what is the pattern? What, what is the pattern that we see over and over in how they handle what they have been handed? Does what they have been handed and what they do with it bring help and hope and healing? Or does it bring death and destruction? See, a leader is called to a higher standard. Because people will always gather around the leader. And they will always hand the leader their stuff to hold. And the question for the leader is how do you handle what you have been handed? What, what if, as we read Titus and Timothy over these last several weeks, what if we looked at Titus and Timothy through the lens of this question? How, how do they handle? Because we've said, okay, this is not qualifications necessarily. We're, here's the complete list of everything we're looking for in an elder. But these are qualities of the kind of man that we're looking for. What, what if we looked at that that quality list through the lens of this question. How do they handle what they have been handed? One who is faithful to his wife, how do they handle what they have been handed? One who is temperate, whose life is balanced, how do they handle what they have been handed? Respect, respected by outsiders, how do they handle what they have been handed? Humble, patient, forgiving. How do they handle what they have been handed? A parent to their children. How do they handle what they have been handed? And we're not talking about like a, a scientist where we pull out the microscope and we begin to dissect and pick apart every aspect of their life. We're simply saying, let's look at the pattern of how they've handled what they've been handed. Because ultimately, when we boil it down, like John Maxwell said, leadership is influence. So whether we're talking about you as a shepherd or we're talking about you as a parent or you as a leader in your job, leadership is influence. And every single person in this room has influence in some arena of their life. And the question then is how do you handle those things that you've been handed as a responsible and healthy leader? How do you handle those responsibilities as a follower of Jesus? And so here's what Aaron is handed. And Aaron takes what he's handed and he makes it into a calf to allow the people to worship it. Then skipping down to verse 19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf the people had made and he burned it in the fire and then he ground it into powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. Verse 21. He said to Aaron, and I think this question is so poignant. What did these people do to you? 
that you led them into such great sin? What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? And I think that question is one of the most powerful questions to any leader that we have in the entire Bible. What did these people do to you? I mean, think about Aaron's position. This wasn't Aaron's idea. This wasn't Aaron on a Friday night saying, you know, we don't got anything else to do, let's make... Aaron is is given this mantle of leadership, this responsibility. And the people gather around him. They have their demands and their expectations. They say, here, make us these gods. And and I want you to listen. Right after Aaron does this, backing up to to verse 4. or I'm sorry, verse 5. I want you to listen to these words. When Aaron saw this, okay, so they've made these gods, and they said, these are your gods, Israel. When Aaron saw this, can you see Aaron's eyes? Like, like, can you just picture Aaron's eyes? These are your gods, Israel. And then he says, he makes an altar, and he places it in front of the calf. And he says, tomorrow we're going to have this festival to God and we're going to offer these sacrifices. We're going to make things right. Aaron knows what he's done. And when Moses shows up, he asks him this question, what did these people do to you that you would lead them into such great sin? How did he handle what he had been handed? How did Aaron handle what he had been handed? And here's his response. Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. You know, it just kind of happened. I made this, threw it in the fire, and there it was. Understand, idols never emerge. They are always created. And you can create an idol out of anything you have been handed. You can create an idol out of anything you have been handed. You have this wonderful life that has been graciously given to you. And you can make it into an idol. We have this wonderful gift of sex that was designed for a man and a woman to experience within marriage. And you can make it into an idol. You have jobs and wealth 
and responsibility and all of those things can become an idol. We, we want to feel secure and we want to feel safe and very easily it can become an idol. We, we have this nation that we're a part of where we have this freedom, but very easily it can become an idol. Worship. Gathering together can quickly become an idol. Where we're more concerned about protecting the idol that we've created than worshiping the Creator. Anything, anything that is handed to you can be made into an idol. Anything that has been handed to you can be hand, made into an idol. Andy Stanley says, leadership is stewardship. It's temporary, and you are accountable. Leadership is stewardship. Because whatever you've been handed, at some point, you will have to hand it back. You don't get to keep it forever. That responsibility, that trust, that child, that marriage, at some point, it will come to an end. How will you handle what you have been handed? You see, here's the harsh truth of leadership. The leader's job is to lead the people where they need to go and not where they want to go. The leader's job is to lead the people where they need to go and not where they want to go. They gather around Aaron and they say, make us gods who will go before us. The leader's job is to lead the people where they need to go, not where they want to go. How do they handle what they have been handed? In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. He describes himself as the good shepherd. And he says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, and the thief comes only to still kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That Jesus says, I have this responsibility as the shepherd for the sheep that I've been handed, and I'm going to protect them, and I'm going to take care of them, and all of them who enter in through me are going to find life, and everyone who doesn't is going to die. And what's crazy is it sounds so similar to Moses' answer. As Moses is trying to figure out how to, to make things right, I want you to listen. Um, verse 30 of chapter 32. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement. For your sin. Moses is trying to save the people.
God called him to lead the people. Now he's going to go and try to make atonement to save the people. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out from the book you have written. See, here's what the shepherd does. The shepherd will go to any lengths to rescue the sheep. And Moses was called to lead the people, not save them. But when the people are in trouble, the shepherd tries to do all he can to save them. And then, Jesus, the good shepherd, does what Moses was incapable of. He made atonement for the sins of the people. He did what Moses could not do. He made atonement for the people by laying down his life for the sheep. To that question, how do you handle what you have been handed? And when we frame it in the the picture of Christ, how do you handle what you have been handed? You, You have been handed this broken, sinful world. And he allowed himself, the good shepherd, to be broken to save that broken and sinful world and to put the pieces back together. He he took what he was handed and he didn't make it an idol, but he laid down his life to save it. And it is the most glorious, beautiful picture of a shepherd. And it's the shepherds that I pray would follow in those footsteps. The shepherds we currently have serving these men who love this church, who have been called to lead this church. And those who we will call over the next several weeks. How do they handle what They have been handed. Father, today, we see our life and we realize what an incredible gift your grace has been and how you have poured out your life to give us life. How you have taken what was handed to you and redeemed it and made it new. And Father, we thank you for that gift. Father, we pray this morning as we look across this room and we call these men that they will be men who handle well the things they have been handed. And Father, we pray pray your blessing on us as a church as we go forth this day. 
And we pray this in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. If we could pray for you in any way, we're going to have our shepherds.